We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Fancy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. My co-host today, you hear often on Sunday night slash Monday morning when we talk baseball. It's none other than my buddy Scott Jenstad writes for us, uh, does Oaks Corner. You also hear him do the DFS Friday Football Podcast. Finally get to hear him talk with me a little bit there, and we uh, will be, yes, a little bit talking some football. You know, I haven't caught all, all of your Friday pods yet, Scott, so I don't know exactly who you like. So this will be, be some fresh powder for me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, talking football with you. Thanks for having me on. I'm so used to doing uh, baseball with you every week. It'll be interesting. I'll, I'll have to try hard uh, not to talk Oakland A's on here as much as I can. Yeah, and Oakland Raiders instead. Yeah, and probably oh, not. Boy. You're a Niners fan. That's right, though. I am. Yeah, the Ra- Raiders were in Los Angeles when I was growing up, so uh, no no Raiders uh, loyalty here. And that's good because they showed no loyalty to you. They're leaving for Vegas anyhow. Uh, you're going to Vegas this weekend. Uh, you're doing, I am. You're doing primetime or are you doing uh, classic? I am doing the NFFC primetime on Saturday morning. The big one. There's, uh, I think, six drafts going on at once in the big ballroom. So it should be a, should be a fun time. Awesome. I did the classic last weekend. That new stadium is coming along. 
looking yeah. all right. So it could be good. We'll see. Uh, but uh, let's instead of talking about our Vegas experiences, let's talk about some uh, <laughs> actual football here. Obviously, the big news of the day is Zeke got paid. Uh, finally, uh, and he's reported he's already practicing. They said that they're going to give him 20 to 25 snaps. Did you get any Zeke before the news? Uh, I did. I have him in the, the Raz Bowl contest that I think you are a part of, too. And it's interesting because I uh, our our KDS pickings uh, when you kind of pick your draft spot for an FFC was due Monday. And I was I was back and forth. Uh, you know, I love the four slot if Zeke is available. Right. And I, you know, he hadn't signed yet. But once the news came out that everybody's like, oh, it's pretty much done. He's coming back from Cabo. I actually moved my KDS. I, I moved four uh, back up to where I had it kind of with the start of the season. I ended up with pick four too. So it's a, it's kind of a good thing that uh, yeah. I adjusted on the news. But then I was a little worried yesterday. I'm like, well, he hasn't signed yet, but I think it's coming. So I'm glad that it's in because I, I love the four spot now. Yeah, for sure. And now you're guaranteed a t- one of those top four backs. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it might still be Zeke. You know, might be, people might be like, eh, I don't know if, how much work he's going to get a week one. Chances are. Probably won't be Zeke, though. I know it wouldn't be for me. I think he would be number two for me behind uh, Barkley. I think you can make the case for one, but maybe because of the holdout, he, he may want to be able to use that extra bit of caution. But uh, I, I think I'd take him over McCaffrey and Kamara. Yeah, I think he'd be number two for me also, if not number one. I think I'd consider him at number one. I just like uh, I like getting the, uh, the the earlier pick in the second round and the third round with a third round reversal in NFFC. So I, I like the four pick, get one of those guys, and then I pick a little bit earlier than the people uh, at one, two, and three in the, in the second and third. And I've, I've seen some drafts where that, that pick actually matters getting up a little bit. Sometimes Mike Evans get there, Antonio Brown, if you want a receiver. Um, it seems to me that uh, a, a few slots earlier actually does make a difference in both those rounds. Absolutely. And, and I think it's a great great point uh preference between McCaffrey and Kamara in, t- in terms of who falls to you at four uh I I'd think I'd rather have Kamara I, I'm fine with McCaffrey especially NFFC if anybody doesn't know is a, is a full point PPR I mean McCaffrey had 100 catches last year I, I tend to think they're going to back off him a little bit um I always worry about the but the goal line stuff you know with with Cam stealing stealing carries there and last year McCaffrey uh, you know had plenty of those but Newton also had the shoulder last year so they were maybe backing off him a little bit uh, I think I'd take Kamara, but I, I'd be pretty uh, pretty good with either. I, I'm fine with any four of those guys. I'd be happy. I, lo- I love McCaffrey because he went to Stanford, and I'm a Stanford <laughs> fan. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I, yeah. Oh, sorry. Still <laughs> Too soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I had to pick one right now, I'd take Kamara, but I'm really good with any of the four. Okay, fair enough. So this week, trying to rank them, you know, I, the, my value meter is up, for those who don't know already, where I rank players for the given week uh, by position. I, I've got a conservative rank for Zeke for this week because they said he's tentatively scheduled to get 20 to 25 snaps as practice picks up. That might that might that governor switch might be pulled off a little bit there. But right now I've got him at 19 RB 19 in a PPR league and they like say in the NFFC format there behind Devonta Freeman and Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery ahead of Damian Williams, Sony Michelle and Mark Ingram. What say you? Uh, I'd probably have him uh, a few slots higher, but I, I get okay. the I get the uh, the conservativeness on that uh, twenty twenty five snaps. I tend to think uh, if they're if they're near inside the ten yard line, I tend to think he's gonna, those snaps are going to be inside the goal line. I, I, I in an NFFC or any kind of draft league, I'm starting him for sure. Uh, yeah. You're not going to have two uh, two other running backs to use better, but uh, he'd probably be uh, he'd probably be like 13, 14 for me somewhere in there. Yeah, isn't that just the thing? Is like if you have him. I mean, let's face it, you are going to yeah. start him. So I, where I, I have I him saw ranked. someone on Twitter yesterday arguing about uh, whether Mahomes or Watson should be ranked first this week. I'm like, why does that matter? You're not, you don't have both of them. Just either one's a start either way. Like, it doesn't matter who's who's higher between those two. Welcome to my world, Scott. 
Welcome uh, to my world. <laughs> yeah. Although I'll take an argument over where someone should be ranked before I, you know, like this guy or this guy. Well, my <laughs> rankings are right there. You know, it's the same. I mean, I understand if you like, but what about this? Does that change your opinion? Fine. That's a discussion. Yeah. Not, you know, I go through the time of ranking a player. That is my opinion. I don't have a secret sauce special Jeff setting there when I, for when I actually set my lineups. Oh, well, I, even though I have Fournette at nine and I have Mixon at 14, I'm going to start mixing because I'm a Bengals. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, I have a question for you. How long do those, how long does the value meter take you every week? That seems like quite the process. Oh, Jesus. It's, um, the first one takes forever because you're populating the database, you know, and all that. Uh, cause I start just completely clean every year. So the first one took me days. Uh, normally it takes me Tuesday uh, after okay. the show on Tuesday, I'll start ranking, you know, maybe, maybe I'll even do a little bit Monday night and keep in mind too. I'm more manipulating up and down. I'm not like taking this guy, Adam, take add. I and mean, you know, some guys I added subtract, but for the most part, it takes me five to seven hours. I'm trying to, and like Monday, I'm trying to watch a lot of like, you know, get full games on game pass, try to right. catch up instead. Cause you know, during the day, my process is usually I'll either watch the grid channel or if my Bengals are playing, I'll watch the full Bengals game and then, you know, flip volume over to the grid channel on the other channel. Other, I have two TVs on the other TV. When it's not the Bengals playing, I'll pick a game and then grid channel the others. And then the standalone I'll watch and then I'll try to, you know, I'll try to watch as much as I can during commercials and all that. But you can't really watch every game concurrently. You can't and see everything that goes yeah. on. And I like to try to be able to actually watch the plays. So the. Fast forward version of Game Pass, you know, where you, you get just the plays. That's what yeah. I like. Yeah, I, I really like that. Every once in a while, you miss a note on an injury, but I mean, fortunately, reporting usually covers it, so I don't miss out on that much. But uh, you like to see, like, okay, who's, ex- you know, what, you know, there's the plays that don't count, or there's the plays that get you down the field that you often don't see. The crit- who's on the field on third down, you want to be able to see that. Critical things like that. I like that you fully supported your Nick Nick Chubb love in the, in the offseason with uh, ranked at number four this week. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've been he is a helium guy. He's home against Tennessee. It's not a bad matchup. Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I I, I, I if I'm going to preach and preach and like I like him better than David Johnson. Well, I better rank as such. I passed on Love Bell for Chubb in uh, the NFFC on uh, classic on Saturday. I, t- I had the 11th pick. I basically my choice is Chubb and uh Chubb and Bell were the top two remaining. I could have gone with your boy Julio, uh, but I wasn't going to really do that. I wasn't really planning that. Uh, I really want the running back there, especially in the 14 uh, team format there. I think that's, you know, the 14 versus 12 really kind of forces you to make some other, you know, some longer, you know, longer view decisions. Like where's the running back pool going to look like here and there Uh, a little bit earlier, I think, than you do otherwise. Yeah, I think that makes a good point. I like your rankings because it feels like it's uh, actually what you think is going to happen rather than you throwing a bunch of numbers in a database and kind of going with a mean projection. So I, uh, I I like those rankings. I always look at them every week just for that reason. Well, thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah. So I might move Zeke farther up, but yeah, you know, and in fact, I probably will. I just want to see, you know, the next first couple of days of practice. The, I had the luxury of the rest of the week on that. It's not like Chicago Green Bay where they play Thursday night. They do play Thursday night. David Montgomery, um, he's one of those guys is kind of a black box. How much work is he going to get? Is he going to be in on passing downs when you got a, a great pass catching back in Tariq Cohen? Are they going to be on the field at the same time? You know, is Mike Davis going to get any work in there too? Is that going to frustrate us? What sort of snapshot is he going to get? I put him at 16, one step above Josh Jacobs. I 
could have put him lower, higher. I'm not really sure what to do with him. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because we just don't know from the preseason. There's like four or five situations that I'm really looking forward to see on Sunday. There's spots that I'm not sure exactly where to get. I think Arizona's fascinating. I think Lamar Jackson, what that offense looks like, is really fascinating. I think San Francisco Tampa Bay is really interesting. I think yeah. both those offenses, you know, I think we think there's going to be good things from them. But, you know, until you see it on the field in a regular season game, we don't really know. Those are There's, there's a lot of spots this year where, you know, preseason showed us nothing, and I'm really interested to see what we see week one. I think that's absolutely right, and especially in Arizona. I mean, their starters yeah. play. But they didn't run the formation that most people expect them to run all season. The air raid, you know, go four wides. Uh, they, you know, maybe they aren't really planning to do that after all. And we're just supposing that they're going to do that, surmising that they are. But to me, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing. And that's the thing is that's increasingly the case of the preseason. Teams are revealing less and less, exposing yep. their starters to less and less. And why should they? I mean, you saw what happened to Lamar Miller. Um, that's a big changing, you know, thing that happened there. It cha- changed Houston's season. Yeah, it, it really did. I mean, I think McVay did that a bunch last year where he didn't play golf or girly and right. I, it, Arizona's wild. Cause I don't think we'd be shocked if they scored nine points or 31 points. And you, there's not many situations you can go into week one thinking that. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely right. Um, so to me, that's, it's definitely one of the interesting things to watch for this week. And for that matter, you know, Week one is not always that revelatory either because team, you know, because preseason starters are being used less and formations are used less. That also means that they're kind of feeling their way around a little bit. It's a little sloppier earlier. And, you know, it's just one game's worth of results, too. That's the other thing. You know, we, ought, yeah, we pride ourselves in telling people not to overreact to the preseason. And then week one happens and we're like, Wah! you know, and we're all <laughs> over the place there. And, yes, Peyton Hill sometimes happens. Or, okay, yeah, it's sustainable. Philip Lindsay sometimes happens. More often than not, though, you get guys that, oh, two touchdowns for this third-string tight end. Better pick him up. And those are the only two he scores all year. Yeah, week, week two is like my favorite uh, betting week of the whole year because the, the, oh, yeah. the lines overreact, people overreact. I love some of the value you can get week two. I think week one's really tough, but I love week two. Yeah, it's human nature. I'd agree with you on yeah. that one there. Uh, a couple more uh, notes there. Uh, news-wise, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we saw the you know, – the, uh, Ezekiel Elliott news is obviously the predominant news of the day, but a couple other things caught my eye. Uh, Kenyon Drake has been dealing with a foot injury. He's cleared for week one. And Brian Flores actually revealed something, said he expects Drake to get a lot of touches Sunday against the Ravens. That's a guy you know, I, I liked a lot at the beginning of draft season. Then he, then we saw them, Kalen Balaj being atop the depth chart for a while. Drake hurt his foot. They also traded away Laramie Tunsil over the weekend. And I, I, it hurts more their passing game than the running game, I think. But still, it's it's a clear indicator, though, that this is not going to be an elite offense. Yeah, I like Drake early on, too. And I'm looking at my I did an NFFC 12 team online last night. He went in the seventh round. So, you know, about about right. I just I like his talent. I, I think a lot of touches quote is good. I just think this offense is going to be an absolute disaster. I think this team's going to be a disaster. I think they're going to be tra- you know, trailing by 14 to 20 at halftime a lot. And you just don't love that for running back. Although he can catch the ball in the backfield too, but I'm just scared of what this team offense and defense looks like. Uh, I'm not sure I want any part of it, especially in a, in a seventh round where I can get someone that uh, I'm a little more sure, sure about. Yeah. And you don't love them this week against the Ravens for that matter. Although I, I don't know what the Ravens are the same. Oh, we never run use our running backs against type of defense, but the, we right. expect them to be good. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's I'm, my enthusiasm is tempered by that a little bit too. Uh, before we move on, a, a quick note from our friends at Yahoo, and now a note from our title sponsor, Yahoo Fantasy Sports. 
Yahoo has officially released their Week 1 Daily Fantasy Football Contest. They have a $1 million contest for Week 1 with no management fee and $100,000 in first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. 10 entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there are lots of prizes out there for Week 1. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes, and if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get started now at yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. Okay, this is the Wednesday Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Scott Jenstad, and of course... We thank Yahoo for uh, sponsoring our podcast. They sponsor every one of our podcasts this season. So very thankful for that. A couple more news items, uh, Scott. You know, we're starting to get these practice reports. It's actually starting to get that cycle is beginning. You get the practice reports, you know, questionable, you know, probable, whatever. Uh, Odell Beckham uh, is dealing with a hip at the end of uh, the preseason training camp, but he's ready to go, according to Freddie Kitchens. Great news there. I, I love uh, I love this Browns offense. I can't wait to watch him. And, uh, you know, Beckham's going to be fun. Chug's going to be fun. I think Baker Mayfield's huge this year. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much of this is hype and how much is real. But I, I'm big on the Browns right now. Yeah. Do you have a whole lot of Beckham in your life? Uh, I don't have a lot of Beckham. I do have a lot of Mayfield. I have uh, some Chubb, uh, you know, in that uh, kind of spot where Beckham went. I ended up taking either a running back or Julio Jones, who I like a little bit more, but uh, I don't have a lot of Beckham, but I'd, I'd love to get a chance to get him somewhere. But uh, uh, the offense is going to be fun. Uh, I, I love Baker. Yeah, I have got a couple shares of each. Uh, nice. Got Baker, I guess, in the the, uh, the best ball that we did uh, in the pentathlon best ball. Um, I don't think I got, no, I don't think I got him in action, but I got him in a couple other places. I got a couple Beckham shares. Uh, I got to do my spreadsheet actually today. That's uh, that's on my to-do list of just know who the hell I have and where, um, because you have so many leagues, something happens. You want to know exactly. Okay. Where do I have them? Where do I need to act? Do I want to know how many leagues you have? I want to know how many leagues I have. I haven't actually <laughs> done the official count yet. I think it's like 12 to 14, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's, that's manageable. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I was sitting next to a guy uh, in the uh, Rotowire, well, not in the Rotowire, but in the uh, NFFC Classic just this weekend. He did like 48 Rotowire online championship drafts. Good God. 48? Yes. Wow. 48. And that's, I mean, and those are fab and set your lineups every week. That's not a best ball. That's, that's a lot of work right there. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is. It's. You know, it's impressive. It's scary and impressive. And I asked him if he's married. Uh, I asked him if he has kids. But uh, yes and yes. Uh, but, but wow. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good guy. Uh, nice. Fun. Jim Tracy is his name, by the way. Uh, good player. Right. Uh, he's not had some the, success. Not, not the old manager of the Dodgers? Uh, no. Uh, emphatically no. not. Uh, right. But uh, he, he's had some success, too, uh, in that contest. He, he cleared a pretty good profit last year. So, um, and yeah, that's the thing. You go to Vegas, especially, I, I feel like. Because I went the smaller of the two weekends, there were two 14-teamers going. I think there were two 12-teamers in the primetime in the afternoon. These are all committed uh, players here. I think oh, yeah. I don't. I didn't see a single soft spot in the room. I didn't see a, sing, a single like, oh yeah, you know what 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 is he doing on that pick? No, every pick made sense, and that that was frustrating, especially because I was sitting at 11 and 12, 13, 14 every time like. You know, just as an example, sixth round, you know, it's third round reversal. So going the long, you know, going on the back end of the sixth round, it's like I have, I see four receivers I really like, but I also really got want Miles Sanders. I don't think he'll come back to me. Hopefully one of the four receivers come back to me. 
Nope. All four of them gone. I was told, though, Miles Sanders would also have been gone. So either way, you know, I wasn't get you know, I was only getting one of the two that I wanted. And that that was a continuing saga throughout the whole day, afternoon or morning, I should say. It's just, you know, it was tight. It was very tight. And then you have to make some you have to make some hard calls. Yeah, I feel like the top 50 or so in football, like all goes in the top 50, you know, in some little order here and there. But I feel like it's pretty standardized right now. I mean, there's so much information in football. There's so many different sites and everybody's got everything pretty similar. Where I feel like baseball, there's a lot of differences in rankings. So you get to you get some stuff that kind of moves around. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm still hope I'm hoping for a rogue drafter in my Vegas league. That would be nice. Yeah, it's rogue drafter again. Well, I noticed, yeah, you were doing it online uh, and you made that comment about the, the top 50, you know, like. Out of 50, 50 were taken. You know, it's just like yeah, amazing. Ouch. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah you just, I, I'm crossing off. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's not even like one gap in here. It was wild. Right. Which means, which all, you know, means no reaches either. I mean, you know, no one nope. making an obvious mistake. You need someone to make a mistake every once in a while. But you, uh, you certainly do, especially with an overall component. There's, it's always good when you get someone that uh, makes a few errors. Exactly right. Exactly. So, uh, one other news item I wanted to talk about uh, Melvin Gordon. No real progress. Uh, you know, not, you know, the sh- negotiations are shut down. That happened earlier in the week. But now, you know, they gave him permission to go seek out his own deal. I guess one team was biting. Apparently, I guess saw something about the Eagles, and it was a laughably low ball offer, uh, which, of course, the Chargers, uh, you know, rejected pretty summarily. But, uh, you know, the thing is, I don't see this ending anytime soon unless Gordon completely capitulates. Uh, I'm with you there. And he's not, he's not the same as the Zeke one. Cause you know, Zeke has two years left on his deal. So he kind of had at some point had to get in. Maybe he missed, you know, the, the high end on there was maybe he misses four or five games and then comes in, but you know, Gordon could do the levy on bell thing that he did last year. I'm a, I'm a full cross off on Gordon right now. It seems like the Chargers are moving on. seems like other teams aren't that interested. Uh, I think you're right. I think he, unless he really, really comes in and says, okay, I'm, I'm good. I just don't see it happening. And I don't really think that they're too worried about it. I mean, they seem like they like Eckler and your boy, Justin Jackson. I'm pretty Ball much a carrier. cross off. <laughs> I'm pretty much a cross off on Gordon right now. I mean, there's a spot where I would take a risk and it, but it'd be a spot where if I have to drop him by week five or six, I'm okay with it. And he went in the seventh round in my draft last night. That was pick 73. Um, and I really wasn't looking to take him even there. I just, I just, I don't think I want a part of it right now. There's just too many other guys in those rounds that they're, they're actually playing. So I took him in the Scott fishbowl in July when, yeah. and the first, it was the first day of the draft, first round, like a, two days later, they announced, okay, this is really going to be a holdout. And by that time, Eckler was already gone, and Justin Jackson went before it got to my next pick. So I was like, of course. Okay. Uh, that's the only place where I own Gordon. Uh, I, I kind of – see. Was he still first round by then, or was it still was it second round? It was round? first round when I took him, too. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hosed there. I'll, that's also why I need to do the spreadsheet, by the way, to figure out exactly what I have available to me. But, uh, right. yeah, it's it's going to be – it'll be a little t- – you know, it's tough. It's My experience with my one Lev Bell team last year was – bad even though i got connor i mean that's the thing people say well if you got connor you're fine no it's not really fine because i spent a seventh or eighth round pick on connor and that worked out great but i'm still missing a first round pick yeah and you i mean essentially you replaced bell with connor but then you gave up a seventh round pick to do it so you're you're still you're still two guys for one spot and then that early rounds you need two guys for two and also keep in mind that's like the number two overall pick it wasn't like just a first round pick it was the number two overall pick (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was rough. I had Bell in one spot last year at three, and it's uh, it's made me pretty wary of everybody this year. But I was I was way more wary of Gordon than Zeke just because of how the circumstances are. But um, I just I, I'm not I'm not in on Melvin right now. It may it may work really well for someone who takes him the seventh round, and you know he he shows up to camp in week three. But uh, I'm just not interested right now. Same, same. Um, so uh, yeah. Meanwhile, how interested are you in Eckler? I'm pretty interested in Eckler. Uh, you know, as we get more and more uh, longer in this preseason, I'm more interested. But I actually mentioned in Justin Jackson. I think that uh, people are overstating Eckler how much he's going to carry the ball a little bit. I, I know agree. He's really, efi- he's really efficient. And everybody, every time I hear, oh, he's the most efficient back, well, that's because he was, you know, they put him in spots to succeed. He was in good spots. He's in there yeah. in third long. He's in there catching the ball. I still think it's going to be a little more of a split than people think. I think Eckler's, you know, going to get the ball more, but I think Justin Jackson's going to have more work than people think. Yeah. And remember Eckler wasn't awesome in the games that Gordon missed last year to the point where Jackson kind of warmed in. I remember the uh, Sunday night game at Pittsburgh where they had the crazy comeback and Jackson was a big part of that, believe it or not. And that, that was kind of a, kind of a signal to me and not just noise that this is maybe not be a perfect timeshare, but it's closer to 60-40 than it is 70-30. Yeah, I mean, you look at those games, uh, you know, later when he had a bunch of carries, 13 for 21, 15 for 66, 11 for 29. Um, you know, the, I, I, the, the, the results aren't that big to me, deal to me. It's the rushing numbers. You know, he only never had more than 15 carries even in those games. Um, you know, he had the 10 catches in a game against Arizona. But I just don't think they're going to run him into the ground. I think that we're still looking at, you know, 15 to 17 touches, which he can do a lot with. But, uh, you know, if anybody's expecting, you know, a full 22, 25 touch guy every week, I don't think you're going to get that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, he, you know, he, I, I, I've found myself missing on Eckler. In fact, I don't think I have him anywhere yet. I have one draft tonight. That'll be my last one. In my original league, too. It's funny. My first league is the last to draft this year. So it's not nice. always that way. It's just where, you know, getting 14 people's schedules lined up. It's uh, But it's a way we keep in touch, you know all guys from college and are for the most part there. Uh, it's the league that started Rotowire. Uh, so it's uh, going to be fun, but uh, we'll see about that. We've evolved over the years. We're now a QB flex league in that one. Oh, uh, nice. We have two IDPs instead of a team defense. Uh, yeah, some little little quirks here and there, but uh, that, that's... I, I have my I have my oldest league tonight too. It's an auction and it has not evolved. It is uh, one running back, two wide receivers, and one flex, one quarterback, one tight end. It is it is very old school. Wow. I want. I, curious your opinion i had uh, i had todd Gurley. it's a hundred dollar auction so not 200 i had todd Gurley as a keeper at 25 and i decided to throw him back you think i messed that one up no i don't think you did not with one running back well yeah you, i mean you, and a flex. you start a second one because almost everybody starts a running back in their flex it's non-ppr also it's really who was your uh, what who'd you keep instead uh i'm trying to think i kept duke johnson at two i kept uh philip Lindsay at six and i kept kelsey at 22 instead of Gurley. essentially i want essentially i can only keep one of those two with a hundred dollar budget i didn't want to do both because i wanted some money to spend the auction i thought kelsey was a, a better value at 22 than Gurley at 25 well if it, it's not a perfect uh scale because of there's the the slow the fewer spot starting spots yes. but in a 200 budget that's a 50 dollars player and Gurley isn't that this year he hasn't yeah, i don't think so either i think we're going to get I really think we're going to get four or five games where he does nothing this year. And it's, I think it's going to be smart by the Rams. I think they realize that they are a better team in the playoffs with him healthy. And I just think there's going to be once a month. I think he's going to have a five carry game. Yeah. I think you might be right about that. So Which is impossible a time in a league where you set your lineup. It's going to be really frustrating. Yeah. It's going to be like the new NFL. If they go to 18 games and oh, we're going to use one of our two. Uh, if they if they go with something convoluted and silly and stupid like that. And I might be uh, biased about that, but I, I, 
you you've heard about that, right? Where they're talking about getting rid of a lot of the preseason and adding two regular season games. Yep. And they're talking. I, about, uh, I think eighteen is a terrible idea. I think so too. I think it's going to lead to more injuries. No matter how much they try to pr- say they're preserving by having the mandatory two sits, and that's going to just going to be it's going to be a land of unintended consequences, just like the new PI rule. Yeah, I well, I, I got in trouble with the new PI rule on Twitter and it blew up, so I'm going to stay away from that one. But I, I hate the new PI rule too. You got in trouble with but with whom? Oh, just people were there. I just it was it became a big discussion point about uh, how it works and all that kind of stuff. But it, it was just uh, a lot of a lot of attention to it, and I was just I was just saying I hated the rule, and but uh, I just think it's a mess. I think it's uh, interesting. Uh, Patrick Davitt, who's a baseball writer, talked about how it works in Canada, and they had, yeah, I, had I remember that, rule that for a while. And, and it sounds like it's just a mess. It sounds like a disaster. I think they made it so you can't do Hail Mary plays, though, right? You, like last two minutes, you can't challenge those. See, I don't know. Um, I yeah. will what? know that by uh, we'll know that by Sunday. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, we, we might know it by Thursday. Yes, that's true. That's fact. King of the Hail Mary on Thursday night. So we might get one of them. Yeah, we might. We very well might. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's going to blow up. You know, there's going to be some. You know, yeah, I've already read some like reports that teams are working some plays to try to take advantage of that to try to kind of wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I know I of would. Course. Coach. Of course, of yeah. course, a smart team does that. Is yeah. prepared for everything, just like uh, smart teams are prepared to use players and you know trying to embrace this whole positionless game. You know, use wide receivers on jet sweeps and things like that, just like they do in basketball. You use it's you know you maximize players all over and you don't get, you know, roughly, you know, you don't get like rigidly adhere to just by, by this position. He is a forward. Therefore he will play here. And you know, <laughs> you know, smarter teams adapt. Yeah, the, the NFL is a dis- disparity between good and bad coaches as it is. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid another factor that separates coaches even more is uh, not going to be good for those bottom rung teams. Exactly. Before we talk about uh, a little bit of uh, Scott's NFFC drafts, quick note from one of our sponsors. And now a quick note from our sponsor, Fantasy Football Evolution. Fantasy Football Evolution is back for 2019 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've added mock drafting, moved the championship final to NFL Week 16, and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join FFE and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. FFE's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts, or late-season absentee owner and waiver-wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just $25. You could be the next FFE $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. Optional auto-draft and lineup assist can help you manage them with ease. It's all here. What are you waiting for? Register now at FantasyFootballEvolution.com and join the evolution. Availability varies by state. Visit FantasyFootballEvolution.com for details. So this is the Wednesday Rotowire NFL podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Scott Jenstad. Scott, you did a Rotowire online championship last night. 12-teamers, right? It was, yes. And where are you drafting out of? I was out of the three spot. I actually got my number one choice in that draft. The KDS locked before the Ezekiel Elliott news. So I did not, I had four pretty far back just cause I didn't know what was happening. And it locked, uh, I think it was Saturday and I just didn't want to mess with it. So I had a, uh, I had three, two, one in the top KDS. I actually got pulled number one out of the hat, which never happened. So I got my third pick, which I was happy about. Yeah. I see that you passed on Zeke Elliott for this one, uh, that you went, you, you went with Kamara, you know, the news that he was signed obviously broke this morning, but yep. he had flown back to Dallas by that point. There was reasonable amount of optimism expressed. You didn't want to take the chance, or it's just Kamara's too much to pass up with that small percentage chance in mind. 
Yeah, yeah just mentality? a small. I would, I would have taken him at four for sure. But you know, the teeniest percentage chance, I didn't want to pass on Kamara, and I think uh, I was, I was like I said, I'm, I'm good with any of those four. So I just, I didn't even want to mess with it. I, I went with Kamara and just kind of didn't even have to think about Zeke. I knew he's signing today, but uh, I just that small percentage chance, I, I took it out and threw out the window. All right. Well, and he didn't go four. He did go five, which is interesting. Yeah, Hopkins went four. Um, and I always like seeing some different results, especially because I'm in my bubble and I'm always got Nick Chubb at 11 or nine or whatever. And I see here he goes 15 overall. I'm like, Oh, interesting. Some, you know, Dalvin cook went ahead of him. Something I wouldn't do, but it is good to see, like, you know, I'm in my little, you know, my, my bubble, like I said, and you know, I just, I, I drafted a lot of the same people. It feels like, or you know, and, you know, talk in the same circle. So it's good to kind of see results from another draft and see, oh, there are different ways to do that. Team five went Zeke, Kelsey, Ertz. That's an interesting start. Uh, would you ever do the double tight end thing? Uh, I could, I could see the merits of it, but uh, not something I would do. I just think uh, finding that second running back and third wide receiver is so tough um, as it gets later on that uh, if I had one tight end, I, I don't think I'd go for the second one. I think that uh, I think it's a little bit of overkill. I, I see how it works in a, in a full PPR. I get Ertz in the third round, but uh, just not something I would do. And looking at that team, this, the same team didn't take a second receiver until round seven, then took Wentz in the eighth took. So their third receiver is round nine, James Washington, Deshaun Jackson is your fourth receiver. That's, I just, it's a hard think, build. I just think, I think you're, you really got to have someone, a receiver really break out and probably two of them. Cause you know, there's, a, I guess you can use two tight ends every week. So you need a third receiver, but you know, James Washington should be your fourth or fifth receiver, not your third. I think that if bye weeks come in, I think that's gonna be a really tough build. I think so too. Uh, keep in mind, I guess the tight end is your flex here. So uh, exactly. Yeah, and, you're going to start those two guys every week. So you only need three receivers. You don't need two running backs. But um, I don't know. There's so many receivers that people use in a third wide receiver. They're so good. Uh, I think once you have the one tight end, I'm fine locking in one early. I just I don't like to. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Let's look at your team instead. Okay. Kamara, Mike Evans. I'm so on board with Mike Evans that late in the second round. That's so nice. Nice to be able to happen. Did not think he was getting there. I I knew I was taking running back one and I was okay taking a running back two, but I was, uh, I was, I was thinking about Keenan Allen or Adam Thielen uh, when Evans was there. It was, it was a pretty easy snap call for me. I was, I was happy to see that uh, both Mixon and carry on Johnson jumped ahead of Evans and they kind of pushed him down to me. It was, it was a nice fit. Yeah. Uh, I drafted 18 in the the classic, uh, you know, keep in mind 14 teamer and got Evans in the second could have taken Mixon or Kelsey instead. I opted instead for Evans, but uh, yeah, I can see that. Then you go, uh, it's third round reversal again. So you get Josh Jacobs towards the end of the third round. I think I only got him in the Razzle. That's the only place I got him so far. Uh, who were your other alternatives uh, if you didn't take Jacobs there? I didn't want to mess with another receiver there. I really like uh, Brandon Cooks and Chris Godwin, but I didn't want to go Godwin and Evans 2-3. I thought that might be a little too much Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I, I get worried as the running back is the fourth and fifth round, so I want to get someone. I wanted Chris Carson. He went the pick before me. Um, I would have taken Devonta Freeman. He went about four picks before me. I think just think Jacobs is going to touch the ball a lot. Not a lot of attention on him preseason. He's kind of disappeared in the whole hard knocks thing. He's, he's, he's mentioned that he kind of hides from the cameras, which I kind of like. There's not as yeah. much attention on him as there, as there would have been. I mean, it's the Antonio Brown show anyway. Um, I like Jacobs more than uh, more than uh, David Montgomery, who went uh, about a round later. He actually went pretty late in this draft. I like him more than Derrick Henry. Uh, I like him more than Sony Michelle and Marlon Mack. So it was kind of an easy one for me there. You know, it probably would have been Damian Williams a week ago, but uh, I just couldn't do it with McCoy in town. Well, and that's just the thing that that's a big mover. That's the, yeah, it is. Rarely do you see something like that happen on cutdown day. It's you know guys on the fringe, right? And usually they're cut for a reason. And when they sign somewhere else, it's just kind of like okay, we need a veteran depth guy. 
Instead, he lands in Kansas City and has a chance to eventually start. Probably won't do it this week, but that's a big changer. Damian Williams was going as early as the second round in some leagues. Takes a guy out of consideration like that. I also have some Damian Williams shares also. I think I got him in Fishbowl along with my uh, Melvin Gordon share, so that should be a lot of fun. But uh, are, you, are you one that thinks uh, McCoy's going to have the starter there? I don't think so, actually. Uh, okay. He might start, but I think Damian Williams is still going to be usable. I don't think he's dead. He's not like Melvin Gordon, where he's, his, his value is just crushed. I think he's still a starter, actually. In a PPR league, I'm still starting him. Uh, I am too. I just uh, I was a little bit wary about all the all the uh, mouths there to feed, and I didn't want to take him in the third round. But uh, I think end of the fourth round where the team got him was a, is a pretty nice spot for him. I I agree with that. Uh, but it does. That's one less running back that you feel safe about getting full complement of uh, carries. Jacobs, you know, is going to get the workload. Rashard's going to steal some some catches. I, I'm not convinced that Rashard's just going to go away. And I don't think Jacobs is going to catch that many passes, actually. But we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Michelle has got a timeshare. Mac actually is a guy for me that's an also an option. In fact, I think I like Mac slightly better than Jacobs. I understand. Sell, me, uh, sell, sell me on Marlon Mack in the, in, with the, in the luckless offense. Okay. First of all, uh, offensive line is fantastic. Head coach, yep, done, head coach and that. coordinator combination, fantastic. During the second half of the season, Mac was also a pass catcher too. Anytime they had a lead, he was stay, you know, he would stay on even in third and passing situations. Hines kind of shriveled up a little bit in the second half last year. I think Mac's going to get a heavy workload. I do not think this is the 2017 Brissett offense. I think it's a better version of this offense. I think you know, I don't think he shrivels up in value. I, I like him. I like him better than Michelle. I like him better than Henry. I think I like him better than Jake, Jacobs. I'm not completely on board with Chris Carson, by the way. Um, that, uh, that, that helium is rising fast right now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And this is, I think, the same risks that were there with Carson still apply. He, his running style lends him to getting hurt. I, I think Penny is actually a good player or averaged like five yards a carry. Uh, you know, especially like from week four on, you know, I, you know, he got better. He lost that weight and he was better. Uh, and he was, I think he's going to play at some point and demand some of that workload because his performance will be that good. I think Carson is great. I think he's, when he's healthy, he's good at running over tacklers. I don't know how much he's going to inv- be involved in the passing game either. I know they've said they're going to use him more in the passing game. I think when push comes to shove, that might not be the case. We'll see. I'm going to be a skeptic on this one a little bit. Yeah, they, I, I like him, and I would have taken him there at the end of the third round. I, I've seen him go like late second, early third, something. I think the yep. Gilliam's a little too much, but uh, I do like him a lot. Like kind of like you said, I, I agree with you. I, I am worried about the injuries, but uh, they just run the ball so much with and with Wilson, and, you know, has that run threat. It just kind of takes a defender that has to keep an eye an eye spying on him. I, I do like him in that offense. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I I, I, I like him. I just. Yeah, I don't like that price. Basically, you went with this. You went with this teammate, Tyler Lockett, in the fourth round. Yeah, I spent too much time around lists, and every time I, you know, do a draft and Lockett goes like, okay, I have to scroll down because lists is, you know, when I'm using the app, the draft tool, because <laughs> lists is very low on him. And I get the argument. The argument for him is volume isn't there, and he yep. was just historically efficient last year. There's no way that TD TD rate can continue. I do think that the target you know he's going to get more targets this year baldwin's retired now i mean it's i know he was hurt a lot of last year but he's straight up retired i also think that they're they'll probably throw the ball a little bit more than they did last year i think some of the training wheels are going to be off on this offense a little bit more it's a hunch not a uh it's it's, it's a slightly educated guess 
not a lock certain thing, obviously, but enough that I think he's worth that spot. Yeah, I was between him and Kenny Galladay and T.Y. Hilton in that spot. I love T.Y. Hilton, but I'm just a little hesitant on him and Brissett. I don't think sure. he's quite uh, you know, falling off the cliff that a lot of people said. I think the Indy offense will be better than people think. Uh, I have Kenny Galladay in almost every league, so I might have done a little bit hedging here, which I don't usually do. But uh, I, I agree with you on Lockett. I think the touchdown efficiency won't be there, and I'm not counting on it. I just think the volume's going up. You mentioned Baldwin retired. Paul Richardson's gone. Mm-hmm. I just think that, A, he's really, really good. Um, you know, he's really efficient. His, his, uh, you know, whatever his passing rate was with, with Wilson was like perfect or whatever that stat was, um, unbelievable. I think they're going to make sure he gets the ball more, you know, Pete Carroll's smart. They know what they're doing up there. I think while they run the ball a lot, I think they're going to make sure that Lockett's gets, get his touches. I think they saw how explosive he is. I just think he's really, really good. And, you know, I'll take a player like that in the fourth round and, and be okay. If the touch, touch on efficiency goes down a little bit. Yeah. I too have a lot of Galladay. I would have taken him over Lockett, I think, but I, I, I can see, the reason to hedge a little bit I too. Wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fault that either. I, yeah. I, I can. I can see Galladay over Lockett too. That's a, they're a close one for me. I wouldn't argue it hard either way. And I've also been willing to pay the price on Hilton where he's going now. I mean, I, I would have taken Galladay over Hilton too. Uh, so you know, I think at best he would have been my second choice there. But that it's starting to be reasonably priced is more my takeaway there. I think that's about right. You know, Galladay, Lockett, DJ Moore was the next one. Mike Williams, Tyler Boyd, that sort of range. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I think DJ Moore is interesting. I think he might be really, really good too. Yeah, um, and I have I have a, a few shares of him too, as far as that goes. So, uh, at any rate, um, any other uh, so, so looking at the rest of your draft, so you go, you know, running back, two running backs and a receiver in the first three, then three straight receivers. I like the build there. Still got Devin Singletary as your third running back. Uh, you know, possible flex play. Back, you know, I got Justin Hill just in the, in the classic the other day. You got him here. I like that pick. You know, I, I'm, I like a lot of things. Hey, and you stayed on the road to wire brand. You got Lamar Jackson in the 12th. Well done. That was an interesting spot because a lot of a lot of quarterbacks had gone and I already had Baker Mayfield in the eighth. And, you know, I was so I wasn't early on Mayfield is probably around a little bit after ADP. But it, we're in a spot where it's for people are starting to take backups. You know, the 11th the start of the 12th. I was at the you know the far end of that round because of the third round reversal. And I went Lamar Jackson because I thought he was the last really, really high upside guy. And it was mm-hmm. funny because I took him and then Rivers, Prescott, Cousins, Trubisky, Allen and Brady went before I picked again. So Lamar Jackson, there was no way he was coming back. And I just right. think in the 12th round, you know, you're looking at. The picks around there is Alexander Madison, who I kind of like, Darwin Thompson, Adam Humphreys. I just thought Lamar Jackson had way much more upside. A chance of the guy that I have Mayfield, so I don't know how much I'm going to use him, but I mean, that could be a high upside, you know, league winning type guy. In the 12th round, the receivers and running backs you're looking at are kind of so mad by that point that I think he's worth a spot there if he, if he kind of lingers around in your draft. I agree. Darwin Thompson, has anybody uh, ridden the low-key player, ridden the roller coasters so much this year? Started as a (laughs) 17th, 18th round dart throw afterthought guy, got some serious helium, was probably going the 7th or 8th round, and now he's back to being kind of buried again with the, the whole McCoy saga. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. Are there any are there any running backs like say twelve round twelve to sixteen in there? Are there any guys here you really like or really targeting a twelve teamer? I was I had a lot of trouble finding running backs I liked there. I mean, I took Chris Thompson and Ty Montgomery just kind of as depth, and you know I can use Chris Thompson if I need to in a PPR league, mm-hmm. and I like his skills. But you know with Geis and AP there, it's hard to see him you know doing much more than being the third down guy. But he could get you know six seven catches in a game and help you out. But 
I was I was finding hard to find kind of interesting upside guys. I mean, it's in the you know the Frank Gore, Jamal Williams, C.J. Anderson, like all these guys. I looked at them like, yeah, do I really want that? I don't even know. But I guess uh, Agun Agunbalo, I can't even say his name. The goon in in Tampa Bay is an interesting kind of hype guy right now. But I was having trouble. Is there any are there any running backs in that range you really really like? I mean, not really. I mean, the, the guys are. I mean, do you really want to start? The, the the question is, would you want to have to start them? You know, yeah, or and, or do you see a, a path where they can get where they're really interesting starters? And I, I don't see much of that either. Madison is at twelve one. Uh, that yeah. barely qualifies for our, our goalposts, but um, I, I have a few shares of him. Montgomery, you ended up with is okay uh, for that. I mean, can Lev Bell hold up? You know that. Yep. Jalen Richard, actually, I'm okay with too uh, in round okay. sixteen, uh, especially in a PPR league. You know he's going to get. He's got that that pass catching floor, and I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was at Montgomery or Richard, and I have Jacobs, so I kind of went opposite handcuff with the thought that I could end up with two running backs rather than one. But mm-hmm. uh, Richard might have been smart there with the, with the thought that you know if Jacobs gets hurt, at least I have the the Raiders running back. Yeah, I mean it's let's face it, you're at full information phase. You're not yeah. getting. Devin Singletary in the 11th, like I got in, at the beginning of August. It's just not happening. Uh, you, you, in fact, you spent the seven, 7.10 on him instead. Yep. Uh, I, I got uh, Miles Sanders in the 8th, for crying out loud, in that league. Uh, and that's, that's never happening anymore. Uh, no, I think I'm trying to look where Sanders in the 6.2 here. Yeah, and that's yeah. pretty common. Pretty common. Yeah. And, you know, the news on him has been good, too. Uh, so for what it's How, worth. Uh, how do you feel about Justice Hill? I I, I like well, the yeah. skills. I like I like that he's the you know kind of the the athletic fast guy in that in that backfield. I think that if you pair him with Jackson, that could be really dangerous. Uh, but how how do you feel about uh, how Harbaugh is going to use him at least maybe in the first four weeks? I mean, I kind of like it uh, because you know you know in a way I mean you think about him as and Mark Ingram can catch passes, uh, but you know obviously they used Kamara a lot more in that role. Uh, Hill's capable of doing that. He's you know, it could be in, you know, the inside outside thing again. And I think the Ravens want to run the ball more, you know, even with the you know, fresher design on their offense, uh, it's still going to be a heavy run offense. And that probably supports two backs better than other offenses will. Yeah. And I love, I love offenses with the running, with the running threat in the backfield. I mean, you saw with, you know, Gore with Kaepernick was, you, you just, the holes that open up are just so much different than an hour when a guy's dropping yep. back. It's, it's a, such a nice edge. It really is. It really is. Uh, we're going to talk a little fab here in a second. Before we do that, though, quick note from Fancy Draft. Here's one million rake-free reasons to play on Fancy Draft. Fancy Draft is kicking off the 2019 season in a big way with the $1 million Hooters kickoff. This contest, guaranteed, is just $20 to enter with the top 10,000 finishers winning cash prizes. And like all contests on Fancy Draft, it's rake-free. That means 100% of entry fees are paid to contest winners. Rake-free contests on Fantasy Draft are a game-changer. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to rake. Join Fantasy Draft today and experience rake-free daily fantasy for yourself. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and use promo code RWNFL to take part in the rake-free revolution. So, we spent a lot of time talking about... You know, our drafts and, and the news and all that. But I, one of the reasons I want to have you on, Scott, is uh, that we, so we could talk fab. We talk a lot of, more about it in baseball. Obviously, every Sunday yep. night we talk about the results. And we, I think more time gets spent talk, uh, talking about the philosophy of fab in baseball than it does in football. Because I think it is different. I, I think you manage your fab budget a little bit differently in football. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. It, it, it really depends on the size of your bench too. Like we, we play in a league together, the, uh, the, the Rotowire stake league where the benches are really small. And I think 
that type of league lends itself a little bit more towards baseball where I'm kind of, you know, there's guys available every week. So I'm kind of making small bids here and there, picking up guys who are interesting and FFC, you know, there's a 10, you start 10 guys, also a 10 team bench. It's super deep. There are rarely interesting guys on free. So, you know, you're picking up defense or kickers fear bye week, some tight ends, that kind of stuff. But in terms of like impact running backs and receivers, there are very few. And when they come, they're really expensive. I tend to struggle in NFFC fab because, you know, anybody who's with a, a pulse early on goes for $600. And it's so different to me than baseball where, you know, guys go for maybe a hundred or 200. That's a big bid, but you're kind of picking up 20 and 30 guys all, all season long. I tend to struggle with making that really big bid in football and I, I need to adapt to that and i just uh, i have i struggle with that yeah uh, i do too um yeah in, in nffc we had 10 man benches i mean you're never going to find anybody when philip Lindsay was out there i was blown away about the size of the Lindsay bids yep and at the end of the day i was like man i really wish i was there i wish i was that guy Peyton Hillis years ago reminded me of yep. that too. You know, you only get so many bites of the apple, especially if you're playing in a 14 team earlier with the 10 man benches. Oh my gosh. The set last five rounds of that draft on Saturday is like, wow, I'm really pulling deep here to try to find guys. Uh, and I think that it's just, it reminds you, Oh, it, it's going to get ugly quick. So if you see a guy with any sort of upside, just jump on. I'm in a 16 teamer, actually a scout uh, baseball scouts league. Uh, my buddy Jason Gray uh, and Mike Brown, two guys, uh, buddies of mine that are scouts with the Rays, run this league. And uh, let me tell you, you if there, you find anything out there on the waiver wire, you better get it. Yeah, it's funny because like baseball, I'll sit down and it's you know it's an hour's job trying to work through all the phrases. And there's always multiple guys to bid. And football, I'm like, I flip through. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to find someone, someone with a pulse. I look at you know yards in the last week, carries last week, and stuff like that. And obviously, you get injuries, but you know most backups are taken. You and I talked about Justice Hill and Madison and Ty Montgomery. Those guys are all drafted in the first 15 rounds in in, in football leagues, and at least in the NFC with a deep bench. Um, you know, I think you have to attack NFFC Fab like you're going to get one big player and then a bunch of of like small replacement guys. So if you need a bag of quarterback, you know, defense kicker, that kind of stuff that the smaller bids are for that. But I think you kind of have to go into it. Your thousand bucks thing, you know, this is for, you know, 650 bucks is for one big pulse player. And I hope that I hit on him with the, and then the rest of the budget is for, you know, small pickups here and there. And some, you know, you can, you can do some spec plays on receivers, fourth receivers. you like see breaking out that kind of thing. But um, I think if you go into it and I need to do this myself more with the, you know, you're looking for one big player than a bunch of small ads. I think it works a little bit better in a deep bench league like that. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, and, you know, the, the flip side, you know, I, what if you're in a 10-teamer? I'm in one 10-team league with small benches. It's got to be, like, turnstile. You really yep. need – there is no long run. You get the, the, the – And the drops in those leagues are really hard, too. They're harder. And, and that's why I always – I used to be kind of like, oh, you know, we've talked about this before. Oh, it's a real man league plays in these, like <laughs> – Right. <laughs> AL Central only 15 man leagues. No, I mean, there, yeah, it's harder to find people, but it's also, you know, it's easy to cut and, you know, the guy's dead. Okay, cut him. Uh, Scratch, cross him off then. Uh, But, you know, in (laughs) 10 man leagues, I mean, you have to make some really hard, making decisions, you know, having to make hard decisions is good for the league too. I, I, and this is something Scott Pianowski always talks about, you know, you you don't you know having unlimited IL spots or you know really kind of create this you know lack of currency in the free agent market it makes for a worse league when you have to make hard decisions people make mistakes it also creates more opportunities to add players too in the pool and it's just I, I like a league that has a little bit of op- opportunity to improve yourself on the waiver wire 
Yeah, I do too. I'm very anti IR spots, both in football and baseball. I realize that every once in a while you're going to get a team that just gets so devastated by injury that they're dead anyway, but they're going to be dead anyway. Let's be realistic. I just, I just like that they're, the wave of wire has some interesting guys. I like that, uh, you know, we have to make tough decisions. Those, the first like two or three weeks in football with a short bench league, you know, something like the stake league, uh, we have that pentathlon auction together where, you know, five man benches and you start a lot of guys. I mean, you have to make tough decisions those first weeks, and it's hard to drop guys. Those are guys you just bid in an auction, you just paid for, you like them for a reason. You, know, you didn't bid four bucks on this guy just because he was the random last guy at the end of the draft. You someone you liked, but you know when someone comes up the waiver, you're going to have to drop someone you liked. And I think that makes for a really interesting dynamic. And in the first three weeks, I, I find it really difficult to figure out drops, and you end up dropping you know some guys that you like and some guys that come back to bite you. But it's a, it's a fun dynamic. I like I like smaller bench leagues in football, whereas in baseball, maybe I go a little bit the other way. Yeah. So uh, and I like playing in different formats. I like that. If I'm going to play in a lot of leagues, give me give me variety. That's that's always a thing. Uh, So uh, you know, I you know, you know, I want want the the tougher decisions. Sometimes, sometimes I want like okay, I can rest on this. So NFFC is a different animal too because we have the Wednesday bids, and then we have the Friday bids. You don't have first come first serve pickups after bidding. Those are your two chances during the week to add players. You don't have like if a guy guy gets hurt on Saturday or suspended or something like that. Oh, well, but on Friday, I think that Friday peer uh, fabbing is a little underrated. I do too. You see a lot of weeks in there where there's like two or three bids and, you know, people don't, uh, don't do much with it, but there's so much injury news that comes out Wednesday night, Thursday during the day, Friday during the day that you, there are some guys that, that emerge there. And the key in that is if you have a tight end or a kicker or a quarterback, if you don't have a backup and they have any sort of questionable aspect to their season, you know, you've got to get someone on that Friday run. It's nice to, it's nice to get through that Wednesday run with all the you know bigger names and people make some big bids in those. It's nice to have that Friday run to be able to you know, take in those extra two days of news. So I'm glad that they, I'm glad they put that in there. It really helps with injury news, but uh, I think, I think you're right. I think it gets a little underrated. I probably tend to underrate it myself too. You know, you get busy on Fridays. You're like, Oh, I already made the Wednesday moves and I don't give it quite the full process I do on Wednesday, but uh, I need to do a little bit more of that. And, but uh, it's really valuable for any injury stuff. Cause you can't pick up guys on Saturday and Sunday. If your kicker, you know, pulls a groin on Thursday and you don't know if he's going to play or not, make sure you get a backup. Yeah. I noticed that, you know, in baseball, you like to say you like to keep about 75 to a hundred dollars for the last month of the season if possible, and win out, yep. win out on your two start starters, things like that. Is there a, like a, you know, you know, because uh, the football, you know, the football playoff schedule runs a little differently for the NFFC. Is there like a certain benchmark you want to keep for the last couple of fabs? How much you want to keep around for those last couple of weeks? It's uh, it's less than baseball for sure. Um, but the key with, with football and the interesting thing is that we, the playoffs in NFFC start in week 14. So you play 13 full weeks, but the, in 14, 15, 16, there are no fab pickups. So if someone gets hurt, you can't replace them. So the key to having those last two weeks, you have to have enough money to make sure you have a backup kicker, backup tight end, a backup defense and a backup quarterback. Cause you do not want to go into those playoff weeks and have, you know, Justin Tucker pull a groin and all of a sudden you don't have a kicker and you're losing nine to 11 points every week. That's huge. So uh, enough money to make sure you fill your roster the way you want it before the playoffs. Offs, but uh, you know, maybe you know, thirty bucks for the last two weeks. I think I think is fine. And you know, it's okay. Keep in mind too, twenty man rosters. It's easier to do that. Secondly, bye weeks are done. So yep. depth on your roster for like, you know, lottery tickets matters much less. Yeah, be yeah. Every once in a while, a lottery ticket comes through in week fourteen or fifteen that you've been holding on to for a while, and that's the week they get the job. More often than not, though. It's other guys have come emerged that you just rather pick up period. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And you mentioned the defenses. Yeah. Know the schedule for each of the three weeks. Oh yeah, for sure. For defenses. You got to know that you really have to know that. 
Yeah. And a key point is people are really tied to their sixth and seventh wide receivers and running backs. Like you said, kind of those lottery tickets. Uh, the thing I always tell people is if, if you're in those playoffs and you get down to your sixth running back, you ain't winning anyway. So I, I don't stress about those spots. If you know, if your second, third and fourth running back get hurt, you know, you just got a bad run of luck. You're not going to win anyway. I, I, the backup defense, backup tight end kicker are going to be way more important if there's an injury than your sixth or seventh running back. Right. Right. Um, I, I agree. Cause at least you usually are going to have two healthy running backs. It's, it's every once in a while you run the gamut of bad luck. It happens, but yeah, it, it happens. But if that happens, you know, you have to do so well those three weeks to win anyway, if that right. happens, you're not going to win anyway. So I would, I don't stress about it. Yeah. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. So, uh, any other, uh, fab tips, uh, like setting bid amounts, like, do you do anything crazy? Like make sure it's like $3 over a zero bid or a dollar over a five bid or anything like that. I don't know if that works anymore, but I never bid a zero or a five unless it's like five or 10 bucks. Anything above that, like I'll always go like 252 rather than 250, just because in case someone got lazy and just throw a 250 there. But I think so many people know that now that I think the numbers are, are pretty random. I think that used to be a good strategy five or six years ago. I think that's kind of out the window now. A lot of people have mentioned that on podcasts and articles not to bid on zeros and fives. I think a lot of people got away from that. But um, I think that, you know, the key is, you know, just make sure you grind it out every week. You're always, uh, you know, make sure you look at what I usually do on running backs and receivers, I'll sort by either last, at last week or the last two weeks to kind of see if anybody that I haven't thought about is, you know, maybe even this guy got eight carries last week and he's kind of coming up like a rookie or a second year guy, or, you know, targets are really good for with wider series. If I see a guy every once in a while, you get to, you know, Chris Conley a couple years ago, had like, you know, seven, eight, nine uh, targets in a row. It wasn't doing a lot, but it was kind of like building towards being more involved in the offense. I think uh, running back carries uh, as they build the last couple weeks and, and wide receiver targets are the things that I do to try and get a sticky guy through that, especially in a PPR league, you know, if you get a guy that's got seven or eight targets, you know, that's a guy you can use on by a guy you can use as a flex because if you go you know five for 65 in, in nffc that's that's 11 and a half points that, that, that's workable yeah and you really do have to kind of drill uh because by week seven or eight the composite list like how much you know the default yeah. list is kind of worthless in terms of yeah, I, I even I even I even start at the drilling. I start with the last week or two because I yeah. think that the first at week eight, the first six weeks in football are kind of irrelevant by that point because there's so much change with injuries and and job changes. I think you're always looking at like the last, kind of the last two or three weeks. I, I really drill. I start I start with a drill down in football. Yeah, um, it's definitely a different uh, listing. You know, percentage owned doesn't matter as much usually because. Again, there's legacy holds and there, you know, guys that should be free agents and, you know, like running back such a position of opportunity might be 100 percent unowned in leagues with the the guy that you're the high guy you're going to pick up that week. Yeah, I, I fully agree there. I don't use percentages as much as I do in baseball. You know, every once in a while, I guess someone will jump up like, oh, my God, it's nice 95 percent. He got dropped in this league and nowhere else. And I'll I'll look a little deeper to see if it's someone I'm interested in. But I feel like a lot of guys in football get held when they shouldn't. I think there's a lot of 90 percent owned guys that probably shouldn't be. And people are just kind of holding on for that one injury. But uh, yeah, football fabs, uh, football fabs, interesting. It's tough. And it's uh, I, I think that I need to be a little bit more aggressive early to try and hit on that. You know, Philip Lindsay example you use, because I think the way that the way to get your value out of your fab is to hit on that one big guy that ends up starting for you like the second half of the season that's right so uh, i always find all those things to be interesting little tips there uh and then you know it, you, you always you almost always want to make sure you hit that first free agent period this year it's kind of weird i'm you know we had the stake league one i was like yeah there's no one i'm really that big on vegas league i did in july i'm looking like okay the most added guy is like uh you know or the is uh, Dare Ogubinwali, and I'm going to get that right eventually. And Darren Waller, you, you, okay. You said it better than I did. You're, you, you're better than me. Uh, sometimes. Dontrell <laughs> Hilliard, he's the most added. Now, granted, yeah. that, not, that isn't always uh, a best browner. Most owned, Tony Pollard. Okay, that was great. 
a week ago. <laughs> Derek yep. Carr, Justin Jackson. Okay, yeah, I can get behind that. Darwin Thompson, roller coaster. You know, yep. he's projected for four points now. He, you know, thing is, he still may be valuable later in the year. In, in an NFC format, I'd hold on to him probably if I could. Because if you don't believe in McCoy being all that good, he, you know, Tom Thompson still could be the bigger threat to Williams. Yeah, it's tough because it's probably a you know first six week hold and kind of see where you are, and that's uh, that gets to be tough to do. Although with a deeper bench league in NFC, you can do that. In a in a, in a five man bench league, I think it's really hard to wait to wait and see what happens there. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's a great point. Um, and you know, you got any uh, you got any week one uh, best bets or uh, games that you think are gonna gonna blow up that uh, people aren't expecting? Bucks Niners. Uh, yeah, I think both I, uh, defenses are bad. I, I think the Niners defense might be a little better than you think, but I think it depends on how healthy Bosa and D Ford are. I actually think the Bucks offense is also good, too. I do, too. I, I think that, I think there's gonna be a lot of points in that game. I guess it'll be a fun game. Uh, I'm glad it's a one o'clock game, uh, even though it's on the East Coast. Uh, but uh, I think I, you got moved I, to 425, I thought. Yeah, no, I, I said oh, one o'clock our I, time. OK, gotcha. I, wanna, I work in Pacific time, Jeff. Come on. I know you do. But um, I think Lions Cardinals is really interesting. I think the over under yeah. the game is 47. I like the over in that game. I think uh, I think that's going to be a little bit more of a shootout than people think. I'd, uh, I think we're going to get mid 50s in that game. I was just going to say, I think every DFS tout is loving the Lions on that one already. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I, was su- I was surprised that line was at 47. I guess the Cardinals preseason is factored into the Vegas line there. Sure. And the Cardinals offensive line for that matter, too. And just the desultory performance that they've ha- they had last year. I mean. The thing is, yes, I love the idea of the air raid. I love the idea of Kyler Murray just stepping right in and being great. We haven't seen the uh, actual him doing it yet. He's going to make three or four wow plays on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. There you go. There you have it. Uh, So, yeah, I I think I like those, too. I mean, I definitely I'm very happy to be a Kenny Galladay owner everywhere right now uh, this week, for sure, Uh, especially with Patrick Peterson suspended for six games of the year. Uh, Marvin Jones wouldn't even be that bad. Detroit's got a pretty narrow tree. Yep, they do. I mean, those two two wideouts, Hawkinson, we'll see how much use he gets. I instinctively uh, fade rookie tight ends, so I don't have any of him, but. I mean, if he's going to be good, this might not be a bad week for that. Um, and I really love Carryon Johnson this week too. Yeah, I, I, I like all the lines too. I think that that, that the Cardinals are going to have to score and catch up and open it up a little bit. I think you're going to get an over in that game and bets. And for, for for week one, we got Falcons, Vikings, and Steelers. Pages those are pretty, two pretty damn good games for week one. Yeah, I, I think it hurts the Falcons a lot going to Minnesota like that. Uh, yeah, tough tough place to play. Yeah, Pat's Pat Steelers should be fun. That should be that should that might also be a ticket to the carnival. Yeah, it should be. And then Chiefs Jaguars is kind of an interesting uh, difference in dynamic there to see what the Chiefs do going on the road to face Jacksonville's defense. And I think everybody's kind of interested to see what the heck Leonard Fournette looks like in week one, too. Yeah, there's the, uh, the unfortunately, the one factor is there might be a Dorian factor there, too. Uh, we'll see how much Jacksonville gets hit by that. Um, right. But hot and humid too. traveling tra- teams traveling. All three Florida teams are at home this week, uh, which, I, in, in, which is interesting. But uh I, you know, there was a study on the uh, in the athletic talking about true home field advantages, and all three of those teams were in the top ten in terms of like really ha- like using DVOA as like they really benefit from being at home, and I guarantee it's the heat and humidity is a big part of that. Yeah, that's that, that's tough to play. And everybody's used to the heat. You, you, you factor those two together, it can really drain you by the second half. Yep, yep, I think so. so. I I, st- I still don't think the Dolphins win any home games though. <laughs> yeah, I, the. I, it's, I wonder if they're just merely bad or special bad. That's what I'm not sure about. I think they're, uh, I think they're too a bad. They're too a bad. Okay. They're not holding out for Trevor bad though. 
No, I think they're going. I think they're going Alabama quarterback number one pick is the goal right now. All right. Well, yeah. Think, Tre- Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence is two years away, right? I'm aware of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I figured he was, but I, I couldn't remember totally. I don't know if they've fully completed the tank. That's what I'm wondering about. They, but we'll see. Um, do you uh, do you see do you see a team that's worse? Washington, maybe, or my yeah, Bengals, be. maybe. It's a good call. Oh, uh, that's sad. It is sad. It is, but I'll get over it. Um, <laughs> I may get over it yeah, so going, much to uh, become a fan of someone else, but I haven't found the someone else yet. Jimmy G's has come aboard. Eh, eh, too much, too much history there. They did hurt me. Yeah, it probably, it probably is. Two Super Bowl wins. Uh, you, you probably can't jump on that bandwagon, I suppose. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. It, there, there's some sort of analogy I'm not going to make there, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just I'm, I'll go. I'll find someone else if I do, or maybe I'll just be a self-hating Bengals fan instead. That's a happy note to finish the podcast on. Want to thank Yahoo for uh, sponsoring us, Scott. Thanks for doing this. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, anytime. I'd love to jump on and talk uh, talk sports, even if it's not baseball, with you. There you go. Please subscribe, rate, and review the RotoWire podcast. We'll be back at you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>